You're listening to the Housing Innovation Alliance podcast in partnership with the University of Denver's Franklin L. Burns School of Real Estate and Construction Management. The Housing Innovation Alliance is a nationwide community of game changers, driving the future of home delivery through crowd-accelerated innovation. We represent thought leaders from dirt to dweller with a focus on the production builder's business environment. Hi, this is Betsy Scott with the Housing Innovation Alliance. I'm excited to be here today with Diana Fissler of ADL Ventures. Good morning, Diana. Good morning, Betsy. It's great to be here. We've known each other, I think, for seven or eight years at this point. (laughs) And I've been meaning to do this for a while with you. Last year, we introduced a series called Her Stories in Housing. And I realized when we were doing that, that I didn't know a whole lot about your background. If we go back to the beginning, as it were, I was surprised to find out that you have a degree in geophysics from Penn State. And that more than 40% of the degrees in that area, both graduate and undergraduate, are among women, which I thought was fascinating. So why were you interested in the geosciences? At the time that I did a degree in geophysics, there were were not that many women in it, actually. But it was a few years after that I I started looking around and I realized that suddenly uh, there were a huge number of women in geosciences. And I've seen that happen in, in various sciences. Originally, I was a physics major when I was at UMass. And I wandered into the geology department one day. Um, a graduate student showed me a thin section of a rock under polarized light. And it has the most beautiful colors, all these fuchsias and pinks and blues and things. And I kind of fell in love with it. So I decided to go to graduate school for geophysics. Cool. Very cool. So you were, in essence, a trendsetter. So it changed. You showed up and then it became cool to be in right, geophysics. Right. It was me alone. <laughs> I still transformed geophysics. <laughs> <laughs> so as a geophysicist, I think that's how you say it, um, what was your what did you think your dream job was going to be when you were in school? I don't know if you know, but in academia, in the sciences, there's this sort of almost a snobbery about being a professor is the only worthy pursuit, um, at least back then. And I've heard it's still the same. And so I just assumed I was going to be a professor, that I would be faculty and do research without really questioning it too much. But I just always loved learning. So I I knew for sure that it would be some sort of investigation or research, but I don't believe that I had a, a full picture of a dream job even when I was in school. So you were in building materials space for a really long time. How did you shift from thinking you were going to be a professor to getting into that realm? So I had some friends from graduate school and, um, you know, I happened to mention I was on a postdoc. The funding was was coming to an end and Almost jokingly, I said, hey, you got a job for me? And uh, <laughs> my, my friend at Johns Manville said, well, as a matter of fact, I do. We need a glass chemist. My thinking at the time was that I would be a stronger scientist and a better researcher if I were to go into industry for a little while. It would complement my skills as a researcher. Once I actually went and interviewed, I met some of the nicest people and I I decided to give it a try. Then I never wanted to go back because what I loved about being in industry and building materials is the immediacy of the research you do. If you make a mistake or an innovation in building materials, there's an immediate payback because people want it, people want to use it, people want to build their houses from it. There's a, a strong driving force to find out if your research is correct. And I love that. 
So I know, you know, in working with you at JM that you had the opportunity to have products used in both the commercial and residential construction areas. But as you know, in the Alliance, we focus on housing. So my question to you is what interests you about how building materials are used in housing? I think what interests me is the fact that they have to do so many things. The fact that the material has to be part of a structure that resists weather, keeps people comfortable, that resists the flow of heat in and out so people can save energy as well as being, you know, having a living environment. We spend so much of our time inside our houses, even more right now, right? Right. <laughs> Every part of the house has to have so many properties that are integrated. The fact that materials have to do so many things in such a complex system, I think is what I really like about housing materials, building materials. So that kind of speaks back to what you were saying a few minutes ago about getting into the building material space and seeing the impact and, mm -hmm. you know, how housing can really give you a, a personal quality of life impact that's immediate that you'd see in terms of comfort and, you know, durability and, and things like that. So, right. so that's very cool. You mentioned durability and durability to unusual events too, right? Like flooding and fires and things like that. So mm -hmm. there's the normal things your house has to do. And then there's unusual events, right? Hurricanes right. and things like that. And uh, your house has to take care of all that. It's pretty complex and it's really pretty fascinating when you look at it. Absolutely. So as a woman, what strengths do you think you've brought to building materials and the housing space? When I think about this, I'm going to mention two things. What I've noticed, I'm going to talk about something a little more personal, is people seem to come to me for advice when they're struggling with their career or with difficult people. I think that's what a quality of a woman, but it could just be my personality. But a lot of people over the years have found me to be someone to confide in and to seek measured advice from. And I really am quite proud of that. And the other thing I think is many, many times over the years, I've been the only woman in a room. In fact, I, I expected it to change and it hasn't changed over the course of decades. But I think what happened there is I've responded by listening more than talking, listening first before I respond. And I think I can bring that to collaborators and customers in the building space. So I listen to what the needs are before offering my solution. So I think those are the two things that come to my mind when you ask me that question. You know, we we had an event last week that you participated in our staycation, and we were talking about how now more than ever, we really need to listen because in most instances, we're not face-to-face -face and, you know, 93% of our communications is nonverbal. Mm -hmm. So we have to be very good about the types of questions that we ask and really probing people to get input. So I would certainly agree with you that that is a, an advantage, if you will, and kind of a unique thing that you've brought. I absolutely see that. Are there any other challenges that you faced having your voice heard or advancing in your career as being a party of one, if you will? The vast majority of people working in the building construction materials industry are awesome people, smart, curious, and supportive. And it's only once in a while that I've encountered the type that doesn't like to be disagreed with. Like they really hate it if I have a technical opinion that's different from theirs. And so that's probably one of the challenges I've seen. And so, you know, back to the, how do you respond to that? I had to learn strategies for, for softening my technical opinion toward those people because 
you can't not express a technical opinion. Right. Correct. But there are some people, there's, there's just a few that really <laughs> just don't like to be disagreed with. So that's probably one of the biggest challenges I've seen. And it surprises me every time that I, that I see it. So you also had at least Michelle Blackburn, who's who's now our main contact at JM, said that uh, you guys have a very strong woman at the helm or even the founder of JM. Do you think that affected the corporate culture and your role in the company at all? So Mary is, is a fascinating person. She's an extremely di- disciplined person. And I think it affects the way people see our company. They see our company as being led by a strong woman. And so the perception outside is shaped by her. What I think is really fascinating and terrific for the culture is the fact that she started as an intern during college, I believe, and worked her way up through pretty much every role you can have at the company. So JM is in her blood. And I actually think that affects our corporate culture more really even than her gender because she's it sends the message throughout the organization that this is a place where you can grow and really have a lifelong career. Absolutely. So what advice would you have for a young woman who's either entering the or considering entering the building materials space or getting into the housing industry? First of all, I tell any young woman, I, I usually think about young women engineers, is that housing is fun. Building materials <laughs> is fun. And and think about it, what we talked about a few minutes ago, a house, a, an office building, this is where you spend the majority of your time. It's really fascinating to help that to be better. It's fun. It's challenging. We believe, you and I, Betsy, I think both believe <laughs> that um, buildings are at a cusp of improving yes. right now, that the way we've been building buildings for hundreds of years is undergoing a, a big change right now to more of a, a manufacturing and fabrication mindset. Yes. And that's going to provide tremendous opportunities in the next couple of decades. And so why would you not be at the front of an industry that is all around you and right about to be revolutionized? It's exciting. One last question for you. Most of the time that you and I have known each other, you were at Johns Manville, but you're now acting as a consultant through your own company called ADL Ventures. If you could impact, you know, in that context, one aspect of housing in the next five years, what would it be and why? If I could influence every large-scale builder, every serial builder to consider more prefabrication elements, Mm-hmm. in their new projects, I would absolutely do that. And then I would help to influence the building materials who are my main focus as clients to really look at enabling that process, to look at now, if we're going to build components in factories, how do we take this from swinging a hammer and hammering a nail in on the job site? And how do we really bring building construction into the 20th and then the 21st century? Right. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. And uh, I am looking forward to seeing you again in person. (laughs) Me too, Betsy. Um, And still (laughs) connecting online. And if you're interested in learning more stories about exciting women in the housing and building materials space, be sure to check out the remainder of our podcast series called Her Stories in Housing. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. On behalf of the Housing Innovation Alliance and the University of Denver, this is Dr. Eric Holt. Thank you for being part of our journey. This is where innovation calls home.